There's a fly buzzing. He's sitting on her mic. It's landing on her face like five times. No, I've tried to ignore it. Yeah, I was impressed. So. <laughs> so you know when to start again. Together, we believe in intentional dreaming for international living. But for now, we enjoy our small town island life, playing games and cooking foods of all types. But most of all, we enjoy traveling to new places. And as we plan to move overseas one day, we hope to use this time to share our transition and experiences along the way. Hey folks, welcome back. Welcome to episode 12. We have some bad news today. We do? Yeah, we don't have our special guest on. (laughs) (laughs) There's been some scheduling conflicts. How are you? I'm good, babe. How are you? I'm fine. Yeah. What are some updates that you have? We went to the farmer's market in Des Moines this morning. It was fun. Yeah. If you don't know, Des Moines actually has a really good farmer's market. There's how many blocks would you say? Six? Six or seven blocks of just shops, vendors, and lots and lots of people. Yeah. Lots and lots of people. But today was also a really pretty day. Yeah. So, yeah, and lots and lots of people were All out. kinds of trouble getting into the parking ramp. Listen, people, okay, next time you're going to the Des Moines Farmer's Market, don't stop because somebody walks to their car to, to get out and just you're waiting for them to back out. Just go ahead. There's like tons of spots at the top of the ramp. Just keep driving. Don't just sit there and wait. Just backs everybody up, just so you know. Are you, are you done with your rant? Yes, that's it. So, next time you go, now you know. If you don't, you're going to end up with somebody having a grumpy husband by the time they have to walk down from their parking spot to get food. I think I was, I was just hungry, too. I think it, yeah, I think it was a combination of you being in the car and having to sit there for a couple of minutes while somebody was waiting for a parking spot and being hungry. Yeah, so after we had our pupusa, pupusa. then we were okay. So the farmer's market... Uh, it's probably typical of other ones, but it's just, it's really large for Des Moines. And we thought, when we talked about the farmer's market that we went to in Washington, D.C., or it was called... Um, East Market. The East Market. Um, and people were like, oh, it's awesome. It's great. And we went and we I think there were like 20 vendors maybe in a house, um, in, in a building and then a little, a few vendors outside. Yeah. Des Moines is way better. It really wasn't that big. So we were excited about going because all these people were like you should go to the market the east eastern market and so we went and we were highly unimpressed <laughs> unimpressed yeah. um just because there are lots of vendors and it's not just food and veggies but it's flowers and um small business owners and yeah we saw these really cool flowers yeah so lots of flowers um we met some new business there's always different businesses they don't always come every weekend and so like Mm -hmm. some weekends you go you get to see different shop owners and this time we met i think my favorite vendor that we met was the guy that does the emu farm who Mm -hmm. has an emu farm Mm -hmm. yeah they sell emu oil like and it's not like oil that you cook with but like essential oils but from an emu (laughs) (laughs) 
And you might be thinking, how do you get oil from an emu? Well, it's just like fat from the meat. He said it. it's not like marbled through the emu meat. It just kind of like sits on top of the back. And so it's really easy to get off. And I guess they render it out and put it in lotion and stuff. Man, the listeners today are just learning so much information. Yeah. And so we bought a emu stick, like a like a beef stick. Yeah. But only not beef, emu. It was fine. We also went to a, a kombucha vendor. And for those of you who don't know, my wife is a kombucha master. And they had some kombu- their kombucha out, and we tried it, and it was not nearly as good as as Katie's. You might just be biased because that's what you drink all the time. No, theirs was a lot weaker. It was a lot more like liquidy. It, it tastes like you were drinking slightly weird tasting water, whereas with you, your yours, it's like this is something different. <laughs> this is not water, you know. You you wouldn't drink it and think mm, this water tastes funny. You would drink it and think kombucha. <laughs> yeah, um, we have some family who had drank it a while back, and then I went um, I went to this food Fermentation fest, fermentation fest, fermentation festival, um, and they gave me a scoby to start this kombucha brew and mm-hmm. so i've learned a lot about it and it's it's fun i think the reason mine has a little bit more tang to the taste um is because i i forget about it so i leave it in there probably longer than they do i think they're, they're pretty strict on they only leave it in there for a certain amount of time oh, i mean the stuff we had today i thought was really good from yours oh the the new when i put ginger yeah, in what it. you just made i thought that was really good yeah so if you don't know what kombucha is it's a fermented tea and there's mm-hmm. a SCOBY that you put... Um, SCOBY stands for school... Wait. Single cell... Symbiotic colony of yeast and bacteria. Yeah. No. Sy- <laughs> symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. It's basically... Um, S-C-O-B-Y. Yeah, it's just a, like a, looks like a white pancake that... Um, <laughs> White you pancake. call it a pancake. I call it, it a does pancake. Not look like a pancake. Look like, maybe it looks it's more like, like a mushroom. Or it's like something. flat and smooth. Yeah. Right. right. So it basically, um, you put sweet tea into, um, you put the scoby into a brew of sweet tea, and it eats the sugar. And as it eats the sugar and grows, it releases good bacteria into the sweet tea. Probiotic. Probiotic drinks, yeah. um, which is the same levels as like kefirs. So like you can have milk-based kefirs or water-based kefirs. Um, and this is a type of probiotic drink. Yeah. So you or let sauerkraut. Right. That's a more common thing. Right. For so it has. To know about. So when people, when I ask them to try it and they smell it, it has a slightly vinegary type taste. Yeah. Um, or smell to it. Um, so there's a little bit of a twang to it. So. Yeah. Anyway, kombucha. Kombucha. We'll we'll put a link to the in the show notes. Yeah. For it. You can buy it at some stores. It's just um, it's expensive to buy. Like it's a lot cheaper to make. Synergy brand is pretty popular. Mm-hmm. There's some other ones, but. If you haven't tried it you should um and then the other place at the farmer's market that i always enjoy seeing um they always have some pastry shops and so we got a dutch letter today mm-hmm. and that's pretty well known we didn't just get a dutch letter no we got a couple of other things like a, a strudel <laughs> and a dutch another almond cookie yeah. and so 
But yeah. it was fun. We and it's, that's the first time that we have gone this season, so mm-hmm. it was a nice little Saturday morning thing to do and grab some food and eat our breakfast there and yeah, and then yeah. come home. So we wanted to start. Um, so we wanted to start this episode talking about what probably a lot of you, if you saw the news in the last week or so, um, there was a bombing at the Istanbul airport that ended up killing like 40 some people and injuring a couple hundred other people. And I would say if you've watched the news at all in the last few months, then you've seen that there's been this not months. This just happened. Right. You know, recently. And so we've had a lot of people ask us in more or less direct ways what we think about it and whether or not their plans are changing and whatnot. And so we wanted to start by talking about that a little bit. And I know we've talked about when we when we announced that we were moving, one of the questions we talked about is, um, aren't you scared or or whatnot? And so we addressed it there, but we wanted... In, and that's in episode nine, I think. In, in light of our new, this new news, we wanted to talk about it again. So Right. I think it's always helpful to, to rehash so in more detail some of the answers to questions that we've had recently. Yeah. Um, and just because like s- smaller details kind of get missed or we forget who's heard them. So. Yeah. so as we're thinking about these things and how to respond to people when, when they ask us, we, we often think about a concept we, we learned about at a, at a marriage conference a little while back. And the idea was... When somebody comes at you with feelings, when they feel hurt or feel scared or something, it is usually not good to respond to them with facts. Um, the the little slogan is feeling for feeling, fact for fact. And so when somebody comes at you with feelings, you should respond with feelings. If somebody comes at you with facts, you can respond with facts. But I think a lot of times, as especially men, men like to respond to their wives' feelings with facts. The wife comes at you and says, I felt really sad when you didn't do this thing. And if you respond, no, you're wrong. I did this thing. Here it is. That's that's wrong. You should say, I'm, I'm really sorry that I made you sad. Um, here's a hug. You know, those that sort of thing. You're responding feeling for feeling. And this this idea comes up a lot because when when people are talking to us uh, or, or asking us questions, about this it's coming from a feeling of fear or worry worry more than fear but it's all rooted in in love people love us and care for us and so they're worried about us they see these things happen on the news and they get concerned because they they think about us and they're worried for us so first off we wanted to say that we are really grateful that we have people in our lives that actually care about us and that really love us and that are worried about us. You know, if if you heard of something really dangerous that happened to to a stranger who is going there, you might say, hey, don't go there um, or whatever. But if they continue, you would just go, mm, okay, see you later, because you don't really care about them. And so when when we have people who who are worried for us or, you know, ask us about these things, ask us if we're worried, um, then we we want to start off by saying, you know, we love you too, and we are very grateful that that you are you are concerned about us. Yeah, I agree. I'm yeah. glad it's it's the best thing that we can have in in the life that that we live is having relationships um, 
of people surrounding us who care for us. Yeah. But that's family and friends. Yeah. And so part of kind of the most basic response to that is just we ask you to trust us. Trust us and, and trust God that um, that we won't do anything that we think is dangerous or stupid or unwise and that we we understand and and just ask for your trust. I think that's part of the probably the biggest and most simplest response. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's if you are to ask us about it in the future, that is probably the response that either we've given you or that we will give you is mm-hmm. that yes, we understand that there's there are things going on and we are saddened that it's happening in the place that we're going. Mm-hmm. Um but we also know that it could yeah, it could happen anywhere. <laughs> that's not the right way to respond. That's right. like that's responding so, with fact. And with so facts. like there's a lot of facts that we sometimes want to throw back and but what we want people to know whenever they are worried with us is that we we are watching what's happening and we appreciate the concerns and just um the love that we're that is being given towards us and that we um do hope that we we know that most of the people who are concerned they do trust us but they are verbalizing their concerns to us and so in a response back is that we really appreciate that there are people who care for us and love us um and that we just trust us to know when it's best for our family to go and when not to go yeah. and when to stay and when not to stay. And so I wanted to start with that because I think that's the the most important thing. Um, but there are some facts that, that we think about that I think are, are good to share as well. And so three of them came to mind. Um, the first is that it, the country and especially our city are much safer than, than what the news makes it out to be. It's it's kind of just the nature of what news is. News is, it, it has to you know be sensational. Um, it has to show that, you know, bombs make it on the news, but, you know, all of the people who don't die don't make it on the news. And so in, in this instance, like 41 people died in the airport, which is terrible, and we don't want to demean that at all. But I looked it up. On average, there was 170,000 people going through that airport every day last year. 170,000. And of that, 40 people died. And so 40 is is too many to die. But just putting it in perspective, um, the news focuses on those 40 and ignores the hundreds of thousands of other people who who made it out just just fine. And so um, it's important to keep things in that context, I think. I think it's still that's still a hard one to keep in context, but yeah, right. And so um, I think that's that's number one. Um, number two is when we talk to the people actually on the ground who live there. Um, we just had a call with a British lady who lives in a city, um, not not like in a, Istanbul. Yeah, but, but like you know, five hours of, from where we're yeah. living. Um, and she said, you know, she feels perfectly safe. And the people we talk to say they feel perfectly safe. Um, they they don't have day to day fears, and that's that's a big thing for us because if if it were dangerous kind of day to day for for people, we would be seeing these people that we know fear and probably leave. But that's not what they're doing, um, and so that's a big kind of data point for us too. And that's kind of where that 
that trust comes in is like knowing that we we're really connected with our support group. So we've had some people who have said to us, um, maybe would you think about moving to another place? And the thing that Jason and I have talked about is, yes, we would consider it, but there's no other place that we have this much of a support group already in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just in our city that we're moving to, but it's, I mean, Izmir, but it's other like multiple cities throughout the com- the country. In the region. In the just the region, like the region of Central Asia, we have way more people that are just available for us to reach out to and find support. And um, if they needed to hop on a plane and come to us for something, like if we have family needs in the future, like there's just way more people who could do that in that area. So, Mm -hmm. And so the last point is that really nowhere in the world is safe right now. Um, The world, you know, and to, to contrast that with the first point, like these things are happening everywhere um and we hear about some of them we don't hear about others and it's just kind of one of these things that that you know we could have been in in orlando a month ago we could be in chicago we could be kind of anywhere in the world and these things could happen and so it while it is true that middle and nowhere small town iowa is relatively safe like there's it's very unlikely that that there's going to be a terrorist attack here because there's no reason for there to be a terrorist attack here but even but even then you know things happen with just small town disgruntled people yeah you know. random people running through campuses with a gun yeah things things happen um anywhere in the world and so i think it's it is a fair distinction to draw between like random acts of violence and um kind of systematic or uh environments of like warfare or active active terrorism or that sort of thing and so as as we see it right now the the threats and dangers in turkey are still in the random category things could happen but but it's not like day-to-day threat there's not a war going on in the streets it's just you know you might be at a mall and something random happens you could be in in new york and something happens you could be in chicago and something happens but there's not war going on in the streets and so i think that's a fair a fair category to make so those those are the three kind of facts that we rest on that it is safer than it seems like that the people on the ground still think it's safe and that conversely like nowhere in the world is is really truly safe from from random threats so right i I think, though, that our listeners could think that there's more fear that's found in random acts of violence. Like, random acts are sometimes leave you more in fear than knowing that things would happen. Right. And um, that sometimes paralyzes people to do anything. And I think that's that's where anxiety and doubt um, and fear come in and can take over you not ever doing anything in life. Um, And so... For Jason and I, when we talk through these things, um, we could just go ahead and say there's too many random acts that happen anywhere. So we're going to find an acreage in the middle of nowhere and just only be able to control everything that we do in in that arena. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's – you can do that and you can have that type of control, but – that's not how we want to live our life. Um, and so we we do want to 
live among people who are different than us and create relationships. And a lot of that is just unknown and it's things we can't control. Um, But that's also where um, trust in the Lord comes in for us and trusting one another and learning how to trust um, our neighbors who are different than us and to, yeah, to value those relationships. And so um, there is fear that comes along with it, but we can't let it paralyze us from living our lives or the lives that maybe God could have for us that we can't even think about. That a lot of people say, well, don't you want to live this way like you lived before, um, this American-type dream of living? And for, for me, I had somebody tell me whenever I was younger, I think whenever I was just starting off living overseas, and they were older, they were married and about to start their family, and um, he said a lot of, he came from a small town in some state. And then he said, a lot of people said to me, do you, you know, don't you want to give your kids the same thing that you had? And he said that God's dreams and plans for you and what he could do with your life could be even better than what you could imagine for your kids or your family or your life. Yeah. And, and it could look completely different, but a lot of that's just coming with trusting and being okay with it being different. Yep. This is a little, little bit off on a tangent, but it has to do with not letting fear of random, like random evils take over living a good and prosperous life in that same, like anywhere in the world. Yeah. So we, I mean, we, we just ask for for trust, trust us and, and trust God. And when you do feel afraid or feel worried, may that just drive you to pray for the people of Turkey and pray for us. Yeah, and yeah. I would say that's that's what we're doing um, too. Um, when we're unsure about how we should move forward or just when when there are things that are happening, okay, we sit down and we talk to one another and we sit down and we pray and we seek God on okay, we still feel like this is the right thing to do. And if it's not, then let us know. Yep. Um, so, And that might be hard for some of our listeners to understand, especially if if this isn't something that's a part of your life. And so if it's not something that's a part of your life, then this might not make sense to you. And so how how you find a way to trust us and to know that we are safe, that's kind of up to you. And I'm not sure how to how to explain that other than how we've just explained it, because that is kind of our foundation. So one of the things that I think is often the case is that when something is unknown, it is more scary. And if the only thing that that you know about Turkey is when when a bomb goes off, you get an impression that it's a really dangerous place. Uh, But when we think about Turkey, we don't think about the bombs and and whatever we think about the people we've met and the food we've eaten and the places we've visited and the culture and the music and all of these things when we think of turkey that's what we think about and so i think maybe even that comes to part of it is um when we maybe tend to have a more accurate or holistic picture of like the entire country and and our our experience that we're going into that people who haven't visited or haven't, you know, spent a lot of time with us talking through these things might have of a, a picture of it. Yeah, it's really it's really hard when 
when you don't have the context to understand what you hear on the news. Um, and that's for any country. Yeah, um, right. And so that's the same for like people who only know about New York in America. <laughs> like there's not a con, like they have no context um for Iowa or for where we live um and so there's just not a knowledge base there to like be able to understand how fearful they should be or how trusting they should be of an environment yeah and so I, we wanted to take a little bit of time at the end of this episode here to talk about our first experiences in Turkey yeah we've kind of teased them a little bit but um we we both have experience with turkey going back now seven years um and so we wanted to share a little bit about that it's it's kind of it's a funny thing to to tell people since we're both from different states they always assume we often get asked like oh where did you meet did you meet at school it happened it happened today at the farmer's market they just assume we met in college you met in school no we met in turkey (laughs) (laughs) this guy didn't seem all that like surprised by it but some people are often taken back taken back by it and so we wanted to tell a little bit of that story now long long time ago galaxy (laughs) far far away no this galaxy a long Uh, time ago in this galaxy yeah this planet even all right so i katie before i even knew jason had decided um to take a job overseas for two years um and it was uh, somewhat like an internship. It was doing um, through a nonprofit organization, doing cultural programs, um, basically. And so I worked alongside a tourism agency in Turkey, and then I worked with like short term groups, like two to three weeks, and then there would be longer groups in the summer. And I would do these. I would plan kind of their orientations and their tours and taking them out and doing some things that would um, get them into the community. And so I I have quite a bit of time. I spent two full years there in Turkey. This was seven back, years ago. Yep, back in, in 2008. 2008 in you moved 2008 until 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and I visited a couple of times after that when I moved over. I lived my contract finished there and then I took another contract for a year and a half um, in another country. So my my knowledge of that area and and where we're moving, um, the context is quite large there um, because I did live in an apartment full of Turkish people and met, knew my neighbors. You lived in an apartment with Turkish people? Yeah. You lived in a building, an apartment building that had other Turks living in it. You didn't live with Turkish people. No, but we were all really close. Yeah. So I moved there um, a year out of college and there was a lot of foreign, foreignness of moving there. Um, And I just fear and worry and anxiety is not, it's just not been something that's part of my nature. I tend to be pretty bold and just trusting that things will work out. (laughs) And um, so it's just, I, yeah, I was nervous about going, but I also have always thought if you put enough effort into something, you can make it work, which Mm -hmm. is not always true, but um, I still kind of hold true. That's kind of my nature, my personality. Um, And so while I didn't know, I'd never really met Turkish people before, and I had never been to Turkey before I moved there for two years, um, I had lots of faith that things would just be great and work out. And I would say that it was hard 
for the first six months, but it got a lot better. Um, I just came in and it started raining and winter came and it took about six months for the sun to come back out. So, mm-hmm. but then, then I really started loving um, where I was at. Yeah. And then you came. Right. So I graduated college in the, the winter of 2008, kind of during that fall time, some of my friends had decided that they wanted to go after like in in the beginning of 09 and so there were two girls that that pressured me and uh, one of my friends to to go with them and it was at first we were reluctant um, but then then we agreed and so we went and we volunteered at what's called the Dernick which is like a it's a community center and so there's one that was run by Americans that um, did like conversational English lessons and that sort of thing. And so we went and we were there for six months doing that. And one of the girls who worked at the Dernick there too happened to live with Katie. And so we got, we met that way through her. It was not love at first sight. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> so I bet everybody's wondering, oh, that's when they fall in love. That is not when that happened. Well, I was dating somebody else at and the I time. And I thought, well, guess I'm not going to like any of these guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. But about three months into my time there, we st- stopped dating, me and the girl back home. And then seeds were planted between you and I. You had no idea about the seeds. No, I knew about the seeds. No, I was you aware. had no idea about That's the seeds. That's not true. That's not true. Do we need to pull other guests on the show to no. talk about it? Maybe we go read your journals with all your text <laughs> messages that we had. Don't tell people about that. Um, yeah, I think that we just had a good friendship in place, and it wasn't really until the very end of the of your six months, like month, I think it was like month six. Five. <laughs> five or six, the very end. It was the very end when I was out of language finally and we were able to kind of go out and do more with people and the sun was out again. <laughs> it felt like mm-hmm. it took until, it was right around my birthday, I remember, August, like April, mm-hmm. the end of April when um, we were just able to hang out and do more. And, um, and so a bunch of us would just go out and hang out with different friends and Turkish friends. And yeah, by the, by the end of June, I think we had to have some type of conversation about like, yeah. Yeah. And then I told you, I'm not going to go home. You're going to stay here. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. So that's kind of yeah. the anticlimactic end <laughs> to our first six months together. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny because people, when they say, oh, you met in Turkey and then they just think, oh, it's love at first sight and everything was wonderful. And actually, I'm not sure that people think that we, we tend to pretty quickly say we met and then five years later got married. (laughs) So they don't, we don't give them much time to really think too much much longer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But my time there, I really, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think. Um, I've spent time in other countries too, mm-hmm. and the Turkish culture, and I think maybe Middle Eastern culture in general, fits fits with my personality a lot better, um, especially like East Asian cultures, like China and in Japan and that sort of thing. Like that, the culture for whatever reason just doesn't really click with me, but the Turkish culture does. Like the people and the society and whatever, I just seem to to mesh with them more. I don't know how to explain that any better than that, but just I felt not at home, but comfortable in in the culture. And the food is great. 
<laughs> the the city was great. The history. There's so much history in in the city. We when we were in Istanbul. They, I mean, Istanbul's been historical city for thousands and thousands of years and so all of all of the history there is is available it's in the, the hub of four and, major empires yeah it's it's just in it's just an incredible place and i really enjoyed enjoyed my time there certainly there were hard parts there were difficult parts just like in any day of life no matter where you are there's ups and downs but in general i i really enjoyed it and had always considered going back in some way and so Mary and Katie was a good, good step in that. Good in that, move on your part. In that plan for lots of reasons. <laughs> but we both really loved the country by the end of our times. Yeah. And so for for both of us, um, we've both had some type of longer term experience living there. Um, we have, we both lived in apartments with other Americans, but um, the apartment building had all Turkish people in it. So there weren't other foreigners. There weren't other Americans. There were basically only Turkish neighbors. And so um, we really got to know some of our Turkish neighbors, and I'm still in contact with some of a couple of my neighbors. Um, And so we've got um, just a good base of understanding of how it kind of works there, um, what some of the custom are, custom customs are, and um, kind of how they do life um, living with other people in the same apartment. And we have um, we had really good relationships with people that we trusted and who trusted us. And I think that that's kind of the biggest area um, that we have good context in that helps us know that. This is a these these are good people in this in, in a good country. And most of them are not what you hear on the the news, and they hate what's happening. And so, if you don't necessarily know Turkish people, if you've never met Turks, um, then it's hard to imagine that. Um, and so, we both have those those experiences, um, and we had some really fun times too of getting to explore other areas of Turkey with friends or um, we got to go out to eat and explore Istanbul with other Turkish people. And so we get to, we really got the experience of them sharing their culture and um, their love for Turkey with us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's just a really brief overview of, of our initial experience there. And we'll put pictures um, from our time there. You can see, the first picture that we ever took together on our on our blog. Really? Do you know which one that is? I think so, yeah. It's when we were both wearing orange shirts. <laughs> yes. Yes. Quite comical. Yep. Um, so you can see that in the show notes. Yeah, and we can, um, of course, come back and tell you part two of how we got back together. But that's just a little bit of a start to tell you that we both have lived there before for a longer period of time, not together. So this will be interesting for us to go back together. But we did go as um, in our single days and um, both just had great opportunities and great experiences um, and really learned um, a lot about the language and the culture. And so um, when we say that this is the best option for us moving forward and moving overseas because we have the most knowledge of the area and the most friends available to us for our support group, it really is true. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's it for today. 
That is, we usually end with a little Turkish session. So in the last few sessions, we've taught you how to say hello and goodbye and how are you. And so we thought we would say, teach you how to say I'm good. Mm -hmm. So if you remember what hello is, hello is? Merhaba. Merhaba. And um, goodbye is? Gule gule. Gule gule. There's lots of ways to say goodbye, of course, but uh, those are the two that we taught you. And then to say, how are you? Nasılsın. Nasılsın is the informal way to say. Nasılsınız. And the formal way, if you don't know the person, is nasılsınız. Um, there's also other ways if you're with friends and you you know how, like, if you're with a friend who's the same age as you, you say, what's up? But you might not say that to your grandma and grandpa, unless they're like, Super cool. Um, mm-hmm. But like other people people you've never met before, you wouldn't say like, hey, what's up? <laughs> like, what's the news? So there's other like informal ways to say, how's it going? <laughs> what's the news? What's up? How are you? Yeah. You said, what's the news? But you didn't say why you said, what's the news? Oh, well, in, that's because... In Turkish, in that's t- how you say, what's up? You yeah. Say, ne ne haber, haber. Which means, what news? Yeah. And what's so, news? Yeah. <laughs> but you don't like say that. that in English. Well, but... Walk up to somebody and say, hey, what's the news? Right. Um, but so the conversation that would happen would be merhaba. Merhaba. And say nasılsın. İyiyim. And the way that you say I'm good is İyiyim. And so E is good. And the, and that's I-Y-I. And then the I-M that you add to the first part of the E shows that it's you. So I am mm-hmm. good. So any Turkish people out there who are listening, please give us some grace as to our pronunciation because I'm sure that we are lacking in some of the proper pronunciation. Um, That's what classes are for. Yeah. So that's it for today. Um, As always, you can go to our website, funktravels.com. Um, get all the show notes and leave us a message send us a comment um, we'd love to hear what you think and uh, we will see you next time goodbye